0: Chuck Poland, as always. Say hello to the people, Chuck. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> All right. So, uh,
1: yeah, what's been going on, man? Um, not much. Just, just busy. Uh, kind of, you know, uh, just. I don't know, man, it's been good. I I'm really happy with where all the reptiles are at and uh, I've been enjoying the uh, the podcast and taking stock of of uh, you know, an awesome life that we're living. So, um, nice. yeah, just, you know, um, getting like I said, I n- nothing really new, but just kind of getting stuff ready for uh this this coming season and uh mm-hmm. crossing my fingers hope I didn't uh, totally screw myself uh you know, by switching cages on the Tracy, I, uh, we'll find out. I mean, I, I, it's, it's good data either way. So, yeah, um, right. you know, uh, yeah. it, you, know, um, I'm, I'm crubs, cool. you
0: never, you never know if you're going you know, to set them back a few years, you know, by messing with, uh, their setup or changing something on them, you know, if you're going to start over the
1: clock and have to try again. Yeah. Right. I, I think a lot of those lessons are very painfully learned, so <laughs> Well, Um,
0: yeah, like you said, good data either way. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've got a, you know, I've got a grip of babies coming up, so, um, you know, uh, it'll be okay either way. I hope.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Things are starting to open up around here. I I went in the, my first, uh, store without a mask. It felt kind of weird, you know, you feel a little naked, but, but, uh, you know, and people around here are kind of nuts about masks and, um, I've got a couple, you know, Family members that are little sister, well, my wife's sister-in-laws that are kind of fighting the whole mask, you know, mandate or whatever. Like, I don't know, they they get a little upset about it. But I, am I'm, I'm all for mass. I'm all for vaccination. I mean, I'm a virologist for crying out loud. So I got my family all vaccinated and as many as we could, and we're continuing to get the younger ones now that they're lowering the age. So, yeah, what a what an amazing thing to watch that uh, the speed at which the the science worked in this
1: regard, but yeah. I mean, we've really done pretty amazing. My, my daughter's Mm -hmm. just got, uh, vaccinated last weekend and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been good. And I totally feel you. I, you know, I work around the military, so I, there's a lot of, a lot of guys in, in, uh, you know, in in my program that are, are just very, I mean, just some of the stuff that comes out of their mouth is wild. It's like, really, dude, you believe like, where, where (laughs) did you, where did you get that? You know? So So much misinformation. um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, and it's not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to spend my entire day uh, correcting people who aren't going to listen to me, uh, either way that there's, you know, enough misinformation being put out there that, and that's, if that's what they want to grab onto, then that's what they're going to grab onto. But, uh, it's definitely unfortunate. Yeah. We had a bunch of our
0: friends from the East coast come out for a herp trip to Utah last week. That was a lot of fun. Um, uh, let's see, Keith McPeak, um, Nick Scaly or Scally, I, I never did ask him how he pronounced his name, <laughs> Matt Minatola, Rob Christian. Um, and then, you know, we had our, our, well, Sage, uh, what's her last name? It, great, great people. It was a lot of fun. We had a great time in, in our, I guess, local host down in St. George area, uh, Chris and Aspen, uh, those guys are phenomenal field herpers and it's always fun to hang out with those guys. So we had a, uh, Oh, lawn Dexler. Sorry. Yes,
1: Don. I was going to say uh, Don yeah. Lexler but uh I just was waiting <laughs> to see if you. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I have a terrible memory.
2: But yeah, long no that's awesome. Great. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. Hey, that was,
0: I I good, I, I enjoyed cool hanging out. With, mix we, up. Yeah, I I uh you know, we Heidi and I kind of um we we stayed in a tent for the weekend for the most part. Um they were nice enough to invite us to stay there but it was um we we wanted to try out our new tent and kind of spend a little time It's a rare time where we get you know our uh, t- to be alone together so it was kind of nice to have a little date weekend as well <laughs> for and sure. uh, saw some cool stuff um i missed out on the two helas I like kicking myself for not being able to see those that we got there just about an hour later right after they saw him so i was kind of bummed out about that but glad they got to see him that was a cool experience and uh, Chris was saying one of the Gila's was the same one that we found on the exact same day the previous year. So that was kind of cool too. Oh,
1: that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so it's a rare, it,
0: rare sight in Utah to see a Gila and they saw two in one day, which is just incredible. Yeah. So good times. Now we also saw a speckled rattlesnake, another rarity down there. So that was also uh, really cool. Yeah. So overall uh, a good trip. Not a lot of and common it, stuff was out, but we saw all the rare stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh you got a herb trip coming up soon too, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm heading out with the pod father We're going to go ah. <laughs> go cruise around uh, West Texas again, kind of do a redo with uh, Rob and uh Rob and Eric and then the THP guys, Justin and Phil. So, should be a be a cool trip. Hopefully we see a little bit more than we did last year. Um my buddy Nathan Hall was out there uh this week and he said it was pretty dead. I'm like, "Oh no, it's going to be a repeat of last year." But he's yeah. he's like, "Oh, it looks like the the good weather's moving in, so you should hit it just right." So I'm hoping that's the case. I still need to chat with Nathan on the phone, but um looks like we we might be able to to see something this year, but e- either way, it'll be it'll be cool. It's always yeah, good.
1: Uh, good people so far, and so. and hopefully yeah. good herping. right? You know. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs>
0: Let's
2: hope. yeah, so,
0: yeah, I got got my first hatchling. So I had a, a clutch of Western Simpsons pythons hatch out. Oh, I'm sorry, children's pythons. No, God, <laughs> right. yeah, I'm not going with that. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll have to have that on a future podcast. But yeah, and then uh, some pygmy pythons hatched as well. So nice. Perpensis on the ground. So yeah, they're looking good. And uh, also a couple female blue tongues had their babies. So. Man, when it rains, it's pours, so we got yeah quite a bit of work ahead of us here soon. Well, but, looks like you got good problems yeah. at your place. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to thin down the collection a little bit, but there's so many cool species, right? It's hard yeah. to, to do
2: that. Yeah,
0: well, well, what do you say we get into it? You ready to fight, man? Yeah, let's fight. That's cool. All right, let's do this. Okay, huh? <laughs> so... so- Go ahead. Do you want to What's the topic
2: the
1: we're doing? What we're going to talk about
0: the, the the high price of rare snakes, you know. Do you ah, think yes, that's, that's a right. good thing or a bad thing? Are we for or against it? So, okay. We'll let the coin decide. Um, you ready to call it? You think you're going to uh, get it this yeah, week? I I'm probably not, but I'll call <laughs> okay. it anyway. Okay, here we go. Good go right. call it. Tails. You got tails, man. Oh, boy, you, you got it. I'm I'm impressed. Way to go! <laughs>
1: so I, I i i will take the pro side.
0: Okay, you're you're for uh, high priced uh, rare snakes. So I guess kind of what's what's fueling this topic, or what you know, what kind of had this on our minds is how we've seen kind of Bolin's pythons rise in price. I mean. I think what they're up to like nine, ten grand for a single animal It's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. And for I I would
1: I, I would I would just say that similarly across the the board is uh is yeah. up in price. I mean, if it's yeah. you know harder to breed or rarer, it seems to be uh pri- getting priced accordingly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a good topic. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, do you want to lead us out since you uh, won the coin toss?
1: You know, I, I, I will let you you're take, gonna defer. Take, yeah, yeah. I'll, okay. I'll, I definitely will. So <laughs> All go right. ahead. Well, go that's ahead. a good
0: strategy. I think, man, you're, you're, you're getting this, man. You're going to kick well, my butt this time, aren't you?
1: <laughs> I've been, I, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know about that. You're, you're always a worthy adversary. So
2: we, we uh, shall likewise. see. Hopefully, yeah.
1: hopefully both uh, good points are made on both sides.
0: Sounds good.
1: Well, okay. So, um,
0: I guess the, the biggest issue I see with, with high price in rare snakes is the fact that people who, who would, you know, likely do well with them or who, who may already have some, um, a lot of times for them, it's very difficult to justify because they remember pay, you know, paying like maybe three grand a pair or something, you know, for, for some imports a few years back, well, maybe more than a few years now, but, uh. So they're like, well, I can't, you know, I can't justify, you know, I haven't done well with the ones I have now. <laughs> I haven't bred the ones I have, let alone, you know, putting out another 20 grand to get a pair uh, to try, you know, to increase my, my group size. And so I think, and and they're the people who probably have the most experience, who have kept them, who, you know, may have had some limited success and just need some genetic diversity potentially. And, and that's really a difficult thing for them to justify, you know, uh, paying that much where, you know, they have it in their mind. Well, that's, you know, not what, what I paid before. And and it's really difficult to pay that. Um, also I think it puts it in the hands of people who, um, and this is kind of a, a, a another topic or another point. So I'm, I'm covering two bases here and maybe, you know, I guess you can respond to both of these, but the other one is, um, it, it sometimes puts them in the hands of people who want, you know, social media likes. And so, Ooh, you know, look at me, I, I bought this really expensive snake. Look how cool I am. And then, uh, well, I'll save the, another point for later, but anyway, you know, if, if you're getting it for prestige or for status symbol, um, which, you know, unfortunately occurs with, with the social media in the state it's in, um, they, they, sometimes end up in the wrong hands of people who, who can afford an expensive snake and, and may not care about, you know, breeding them or producing more of them or, or propag you know, producing more so they can be in the hobby a little more readily, but rather to say, look at me, I can afford an expensive snake and I have a cool snake so I can post on Instagram. So that would be my first, uh, two starting points, (laughs) what you got.
1: So, I mean, I think to kind of address your, your first point, um, you're, you're kind of talking about, uh, people who, um, m- maybe have to focus more, um, rather than work with larger collections. And, and I think maybe that's, um, kind of the point. I, I think higher, uh, rare, higher priced animals, um, uh, uh command people to to almost do that uh so you you know y- yeah you're right you can't you know buy uh several pairs uh and keep them but uh maybe you are forced to or maybe you do buy several pairs and keep them but you don't buy five other different species uh and so you become much more focused uh, which allows you to specialize and do better, and and you know if 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 what we see um, right now, uh, Bolens and and a lot of scrubs uh, stuff that's difficult to breed, difficult to acquire, uh, is is higher priced and and forces people to specialize. I mean that's that's a good thing. Uh, it, it, it allows. Or it forces people to focus in areas where um, they they need to be focusing, um, and so it, it's kind of the 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 money making the market uh, in the way that the market needs to be made. Um, and and then, then, can I
0: jump in there real quick uh, uh, before you sure. before you address the social media aspect of it? Um, I, I I think that can also have the the opposite effect where. Um, If they're not having success with a very expensive species, you know, over a couple of years, they're like, oh man, you know, this cost me so much and, and, and they're not producing. So I better just move them on and and they sell them, you know, and maybe one of them goes to some social media guy that wants a cool snake to take Instagram photos with, and then the pair gets split up and then those, you know, or, or it delays their reproductive success. And so, yeah, you might, you might say that, yeah, it would help people focus, but at the same time, um, with something that valuable and and not having success, it, it sometimes would have the opposite effect and get them to dump that project on, on something, somebody else. So, um, yeah.
1: Well, so, I mean, okay. first, I I just I would kind of just at at face challenge the idea that somebody is going to sell, you know, not have. certainly there are people who don't have success uh, and sell a project. Um, Now, the idea that they sell that project and they piecemeal it all out and it goes for to 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 other people and it becomes a wash of a project. Uh, two points to that. One, I, I don't think that, that there's, there's evidence for that. And I think that people who have something valuable want to see it go somewhere where it can still be valued. And and so, you know, splitting something up uh, doesn't necessarily have to be the way it goes. Um, and, and, and then, um, uh, you know, also, you know, just because something is going to somebody who uses it on social media, doesn't mean that it's, it's not, um, it, it's not going to be a value. Um, and, and I, I mean, I think that that's kind of one of those things where y- you, know, um, j- just because you're a social media person doesn't mean that you can't have success with things. And like I said, I'll go back and, and just say that, you know, f- the, the higher price causes people to focus because of the cost. And so, um, and because of the higher price, people are acquiring less of these animals, right? So there's really, there's really kind of less pressure on wild populations, uh, because the, the cost, uh, of, of wild caught animals that are coming in is so much greater uh and and also it forces people to um deal with the stock that they have so it again it 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 all draws back down on people focusing um and I don't feel like I hit your social media portion of that very well I don't know if you wanted to circle back on that at all but uh yeah I I I mean I I just I I'm not I'm not I'm not so sure that there's evidence that um you know, people who don't have success just split their projects up and piecemeal them and and they go for nothing, you know? Well,
0: I I would say, you know, usually when people are uh, realizing they want to get out of a project, um, I think oftentimes dollars speak more than, you know, what, what they perceive to be you know a good thing with their animals so they're gonna say i you know i need to get out of this i spent this much on it i need to recoup that investment so you know they may not care where it goes to there's a greater chance for that i mean yeah you might have a a, a couple um you know people that might have have those projects that they realize okay this is very important i need to put this in somebody's hands that's capable but for the most part people are like i need to make my money back that's more important you know i need to make that 20 grand back rather than make sure that these end up in somebody's hands and i make less money on them so sure. i think you know, money talks. And so they're going to, they're you're going to have a hard time finding somebody that's altruistic enough to say, well, I'm going to take a cut. I'm going to lose some money. And I just want to make sure these end up in somebody good's hands. You might have somebody like send them out on breeding loan, but you know, as the price rises, that's going to get less and less likely. You know, um, if you had something worth maybe a couple thousand, yeah, sure. But if you've got, you know, somebody whose who's spouse is saying, hey, you know, you, I need that. We need that money back. You spent a lot of money on those snakes and you better not be giving them away to somebody or you, be, you better get that money back, you know, or they go through a divorce and have to liquidate because their spouse knows how much they're worth. And so they have to sell them. And in some, you know, those, sometimes those fire sales due to divorce, that happens quite a bit as well. And they, you know, projects get split up. And I mean, I, I would probably say with, with, uh, I'll, I'll use, uh, Bert Langworth is an example, and I, you know, I'm he's he's fresh on the mind because of uh, Russ Early's new book. I don't know if you've seen that. It's like a, a double volume on the life of Bert Langworth, and it also the second volume has all his like. Uh, husbandry methods care sheets that kind of stuff in it and all the articles that he wrote for different magazines and stuff so really cool shout out to Rusk early he, he did a, a good job i'm excited to read this book uh, i i have his first edition um the the single volume and and it's really uh fascinating but so uh back to the point bert um bred you know how many thousands of australian water dragons and yeah they you know they were worth i mean i think i paid maybe 150 a piece for mine, uh, back in the day when, when Bert was producing numbers, big numbers. And, uh, and then Bert passed away and somebody bought, you know, a Gamma International and now it's, it's almost impossible to find Australian water dragons. And when you do they're you know, several, uh, you know, a couple, well, probably maybe four or five times the price that you used to purchase them for right and so they're they're rare and now um you know they're they're hard to find where where did all those thousands of animals go you know where did they all go i know where mine went i sucked at brumation and i lost a few animals in brumation i i learned the hard way that i i don't do very well with animals that brumate so um but you know there's just very few out there even though so many were found same thing with bert and uh green basilisks and red basilisks galleritas i mean they're almost impossible to find if if not impossible to find in the u.s there might be a couple people that have them but very difficult to find those um so even with common and fairly easy to breed species that somebody had very great success with they're they're almost impossible to find so you know i i I think, you know, yeah, you, you know, maybe if they're paying a lot of money, they're going to pay attention to them. But if they have to get rid of them for some reason, the likelihood is they're going to take the money and run. If they can sell one, they'll sell one if they can sell them both. So it's not necessarily going to go to a, a good project or, you know, a, a person who's looking to uh, reproduce the species. It could just go to whoever has that money in hand
1: and, and we'll, we'll pay so, for it. So please allow me to retort. Um, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I give you the floor. <laughs> and, and and so okay, let's let's play your argument and say that yeah. people do just sell them off and split them. So yeah. I was just kind of you know surfing the internet before we had a chance to start this, and and there's a a, a female uh, Malucan, a Clastopus that's mm-hmm. that's on the market right now twenty five hundred dollars right. It's just yeah. a lone female. It's obviously an import. Um, but n- nonetheless, uh, somebody who's trying to breed Malukans and there's plenty of them out there, um, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot. Not a lot. It's no. a small group of people. Yeah. But that female will go to somebody, and especially it'll go to somebody who has a male. Now, is that crazy money for an import class? Dolpus, Yeah, compared to what I paid 10 years ago. Heck, yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's where we are. And if you want to work with those projects or you want to get those hard to breed or hard to find animals into your collection, then that's what you have to do. Whether they're piecemealed or whether they're sold in pairs, they're still valuable and they're they're still hard enough to get that if you want to breed those hard to do things, then – they are out there. They will happen. And whether they happen in pairs, which would be great, or whether they happen as a lone animal, um, there, there's Malucan keepers who are looking for that animal right now. Um, so you know, go ahead, go ahead. I I just was going
0: to say, I guarantee if I sent that person a message and saying, Hey, I want to increase my Instagram likes. I've got 2,500 bucks. You know, I want that Malucan he'd say sold (laughs) and give me the Malucan, right? He's not looking to put it in somebody's hands. That's going to reproduce it, even though it's very difficult to find those and they're not being imported. Um, And I just, uh, you know, the, I think that false value that, that, attitude of, you know, this animal's worth a certain amount of money is, is somewhat damaging to the hobby. Now, at the same time, you know, I think there's a threshold. Well, hold on, hold on. Uh
1: Because if that animal was $500, Mm -hmm. wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't that guy still spend 500 bucks for, to, to make his Instagram point or whatever, you know, I mean, mean,
0: it, it becomes less of a, of a draw, right? He's not, he's not driving a Lamborghini. He's, he's, you know, nobody's buying a Pinto to, to, to drive, you know, to, to show off on Instagram. Nobody's buying a, you know, a Chevy Nova to say, Hey, look at me, I'm cool. They're buying the Ferrari or the Porsche, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I think if the, if the animal's priced lower Um, then people who care about those animals, um, are going to be the ones that are purchasing them, not the people who want to show off or to say, Hey, look at me, I've got an expensive snake.
1: I'm not sure. I'm not so sure. I, I buy that. I mean, you're you're, you're talking about, you're talking about people who, who, who want to breed these animals and, and. And, and there's very few of them out there, so they're gonna pay that money. And sure, are there are there wealthy people out there uh, with money who who can afford to just throw it at animals? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I mean, the the I hear what you're saying. But I just don't think that you're making an argument. Uh, I mean, you're making a counter, but I don't think you're making a point. You know what I mean? I, I mean, okay. I, I you know, any anybody with money can can uh, can spend it, right? And mm-hmm. and it, and you're right. It, it doesn't mean that you're going to breed it, but who who's going to spend? You know, I mean, who's spending eight thousand dollars for? So on again, looking around there, there's a male uh, uh Boland's python that yep. that's it's eight eight grand. Yeah. Um. So who's spending eight grand? You know who who's who's right. yeah, putting that money out people, there? Right. Very few
2: people. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so you know, I mean, are, are there are there other animals that can be you know make a splash for way less money? So and I guess my point is that the that the people who are spending eight grand are seriously committed. Um and, and I think mm. that you know to move to to move on to that point, you know, doesn't doesn't that animal at that price work in favor of the animal's longevity, care, uh, and, and best interests?
0: Well, like I said, if if people are looking at it as an investment, saying, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna capitalize on this high priced animal," I'm gonna spend 10, you know, 20 grand. Get a pair, and then I'm going to breed them and make, you know, sixty grand, and 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 be the be the man, you know, and then that doesn't pan out in three years, and they go, oh crap, I I invested poorly, I need to make that money back, and so they're going to sell it to whoever has, you know, the the most money at the at most immediate time, and yeah, you might they might end up in somebody's hands that's capable, but just as likely they're going to end up in somebody's hands that has money and wants to be cool and have an expensive snake, so it's and and those people who are serious oftentimes you know they're they're you know may not be willing to put up that much money because they know that how difficult the project is they know if the snake's being moved around there's going to be less of a chance and maybe they're saying well i'll just i'll wait for prices to come down or i'll wait for something to change where you know i can't i can't justify spending 10 grand i don't know if this is a trend if it's going to continue this way or if, or if they'll loosen, you know, restrictions and more will be imported. But, and I, and I think, you know, the, the importers play a role in this. They, they see these kind of things and they go, Oh, I know that these are worth more. So I'm going to jack up my prices, you know, even though I'm, I'm not paying more for them necessarily, but I can make a lot better money off of them. So overall, I, I, I don't know. I, I see it's, it's hard to sell expensive snakes. I mean, you've had some stuff that's been pretty pricey. You bred some of the, you know, you've got so you've got some in your hands now, you know, are sure. you looking to make money off them or are you looking to put them in the right hands for, you know, if, if you have to sell them for less.
1: Making money off of them is the last thing I'm interested in. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, That's not, you know, that's not the point for me, but. Uh, and I would contest you
0: know. that most, res, you know, responsible breeders who really care about the species are going to have that same attitude as you. And right. so what I'm saying is. Um, a, a lot of people that, um, are just buying animals, they're not going to spend that 20. I mean, I don't know. Would you spend if, if Tracy a and you wanted to diversify your collection, would you spend, you know, 20 grand on them or would you wait till a friend bred them and then trade them for babies or something like that?
1: You know, I live in Southern California. I don't have a spare 20 grand <laughs> laying around. I like,
0: don't like think that, anybody that, really does. Yeah, that, animals. that.
1: Yeah, that's my mortgage and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and for reptile long, keepers, for you know, they,
0: they say if you want to make a million dollars in reptiles, you got to start with two million, right? <laughs> that's well, the, I that's mean, how it goes. So it's it, not like uh, you know. Granted, there's some people that maybe proved that wrong, but um, for the most part, you know, most most people who specialize in these rare or difficult to find species are not the the big breeders despite my argument on the previous podcast, right? They're they're usually (laughs) hobbyists that care about them and don't have an extra 20 grand to, to drop on a pair of snakes. So, yeah. And and once they're in capable hands and once people breed them, that's, that's a completely different story. Like you said, they're probably more willing to, to take less money, but make sure they wind up in the right hands and uh, help to diversify the genetics of the population and, and, and important things like that, rather than I need to make some cash on these things. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the man now. Cause I bred Tracy. Yeah. A.
1: <laughs> okay. So, so let's, let's clear that up real quick. If yeah. I get another clutch or two, uh, I, I, I'm going to sell them for money and I'm going to make money off of them. Uh, but I want to make sure that we can shore up the U S uh, captive population for them before I do sure. that. So, I mean, don't don't misunderstand me as I'm not interested in money. Of course, I'm interested in money. I've spent a lot of time, a lot of effort. And, and, uh, you know, I want to see them uh, have success. And Mm -hmm. I don't think if I sold them for what I paid for my wild caught adults, um, that people would value them the way that they need to. I think that, you know, selling them for a premium leads to better outcomes. Now um, that, that, you know, and, and so um, I think that's a natural thing. I think people protect um, things that they're heavily invested in, whether you're emotionally invested or financially invested. Um, Nobody wants to lose uh, a bunch of capital, no matter which type of capital it is, you know? Um, So, and, and, you know, I mean, I think, um, in the same internet search, I was I was looking around, and there's a, a juvenile uh, import um, uh, um, amethystine or scrub uh, that's that's like eight hundred and fifty dollars. So even the price of imports is coming up, and, and and what's what is driving that is is the price of uh, or the availability of imports and mm-hmm. the price uh that's being commanded because of captive bred animals right um yeah. and so some of that really depends on how importation continues if mm-hmm. importation opens wide up then you're going to see the captive market react because it has to um but at the same time, I don't think it's going to. I don't think we're in that place anymore where markets are going to open wide back up again. Um, I, I I think we're seeing a very marketed trend towards you know uh, conservation and restriction uh, and freedom of movement of animals across borders, um, and so because of that, the Higher prices for animals is a mechanism, um, you know, to incentivize people to, you know, um, kind of make careful decisions and to focus and to do all those kinds of things that um, will lead them to better outcomes for their investment for their animals, for, for the, you know, what, what their goals are. I can see that to a point. I, I think the,
0: the case with the bull and I, um, went beyond that point. I think, you know, back in, you know, they're, they're an iconic species. So people really are drawn to them. You know, they've been hyped up by certain keepers. I've, I've heard some people say they're just a black scrub, you know, it's all the fuss, but there's some people that just love them. You know, there's, there's no other species for them. And, and I get that, you know, that's, that's fine. And I have species like that for me and thank goodness they're not 10 grand a, a piece, you know, like that's, that's a hefty, hefty price tag. And, and I just, I don't see that working well for the species. You know, I don't think, I think, a point you know if they're you know maybe two or three grand yeah that's gonna weed out the people who just you know who 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 buy them kind of like a a a unplanned purchase or something you know if they're 50 bucks then yeah people are gonna buy them at a reptile show without thinking about it but if they're a couple thousand dollars it gives people pause people don't spend that kind of money very quickly but if they're 10 grand a piece you know that's where you're you know five figures, you're like, oh my gosh, that's, that's serious money that takes a lot of time and planning for, for, you know, 99% of reptile keepers, if not more. And, uh, so I, I think in the long run, those huge price tags are going to have the opposite effect that, you know, that you're talking about where, where, you know, they're, yeah, of course they're valued and everybody's going to say, oh, wow, they're the pinnacle species, but I can't afford them nobody I know can afford them. You know, it's just these people who, who maybe, you know. maybe
1: not everybody should afford them.
0: Yeah. But, uh, you know, nobody, <laughs> I mean, well, if, not if nobody I mean, can't, can't afford them. You know, what, what's the point?
1: Every, it's animal to make money. every, every Boland's that I looked at was already sold. So somebody's buying these animals. Yeah.
0: Well, and and that could be an availability thing. I mean, there's just not that many out there. So people get desperate, you know, mortgage their house to buy a Boland's or something with the hopes of it, you know, maybe paying off down the road. Or like I said, they could be people wanting Instagram likes, you know, they buy these expensive snakes and and all of a sudden they have instant cred because they bought this expensive snake. So I don't, I
1: don't, I don't think, I, I don't think buying an expensive snake gives you instant cred. I, I, I don't. Think well, that's in their a, mind, it I does. Don't think well, I, they're, I, I wrong. They're, they're wrong. I agree. They're wrong. I mean, it's a
0: flawed logic. But I'm not. I'm not <laughs> so is so is thinking you're you know by having a big truck's going to make your you know nether region grow longer. <laughs> it's a, but people still do it. You know, like the, <laughs> uh, small people syndrome, I guess, but I I'm just saying there, you know, that, that, that does occur and that hap that's human nature to think, Oh, I, I bought this expensive thing that makes me better than those around me, or that makes me cool in some way. So I just think to a point, it has the opposite effect. And I think Bol and I have reached that point. Now the other scrubs, maybe not to that point. I mean, Malucan 2,500, that's not that, that's not that staggeringly, you know, crazy amount. I think most Consider, keepers could probably cons- figure out a way to, the, to do
2: Considering
1: the that. amount of animals that are in this country, yeah. or oh, yeah. or even coming into this country, that's a that's a that's a reasonable number. And but and, and let's the same it, time, it, let's
0: the wild caught that's a huge risk too. I mean, you could if that's an adult wild caught animal. I mean, if it's a long-term look, captive or something, look, yeah. What
1: do you what do you <laughs> think those bowl and eye that are the seven eight grand are? They're not they're not captive bred captive. They they that's came what I'm saying. They just came insane. on a boat
0: too, man. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that's a that's a huge risk that very few people, especially people who know how to keep and 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 work with bowl and are going to make that risk. And so they're going to wind up in in hands of people who who don't understand the risk or don't understand how to keep bull and eye, And, and it's just going to be a waste or,
1: or do understand how to keep bull and eye and do totally understand the risk. I I mean, I think your premise (laughs) is built on the fact that these, these people are sensationalists and they have more money than brains. And that's the, that's the, the lamb share of where, um, you know, these expensive animals go and and it, and sure. That's an Avenue. Sure. There's Mm -hmm. America's full of plenty of people with more money than brains. I I mean, we, we, we definitely have no shortage of that, but I don't, I don't think that that's a fair argument to make. Is it, is it reasonable to say that that can happen? Yes, it is. But I don't, I don't think categorically that is necessarily where these animals are going. I don't, I don't, uh, you know, um, and, 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 you know, the people who have approached me about buying Tracy, I are thoughtful, experienced keepers that if I was willing to let the animals go, I would be willing to let them go to those people. Um, I, I, I haven't been a, approached by the sensationalist YouTuber, uh, about, you know, so no, Tracy. Tracy, I haven't made it to that now. No. Let, let, now and, and and let's be honest. I don't that's even think for bull and I, crack yeah, I, I don't, monitors, I, know, those I, kinda... I don't, I don't think that a Brown scrub Python is ever going <laughs> to reach that, that, that pinnacle of success, which great, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. That's, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, if you don't know, you don't know, and that's fine with me. Um, yeah but there, there
0: are very few people that can make those really expensive projects work out in the long run in my opinion i don't know sometimes they you know they usually don't have the patience and if they're not selling within a you know a couple of weeks they're going to drop the price or you know Well
1: move look, things down. and and uh, look man uh, uh, whether you're talking you know wild caught monitors or whether you're talking wild caught it's a long game you know, yeah. a- acclimating wild animals and, and getting them behaving and feeling comfortable is a long game. Um, yeah. And so, you yeah. know, that, that $10,000 spread out over 10 years, it's, it's, but, but, you know, but how many
0: are going to make it that long? You know, if you have an imported wild caught bull and eye or Tracy, how long are those gonna last?
1: that minor, minor two thousand and eleven animals by guesstimation I got okay, them but in there probably I'm one saying years old.
0: of all the Tracy you know about that have been in capable hands, how many are still alive today? what percentage?
1: well I, not, I not mean, a very
0: that's big it. percentage right I mean wild kind well, animals have a have a bad track record and so asking that much money people are gonna be you know have have great pause and say, I'm not going to spend that much money unless this is a prime, clean, you know, long-term captive that's been in somebody's capable's hands for several years. Then maybe they're going to make that jump. But if it's and, a, and isn't, isn't that keyboard? good?
1: But it, but isn't that good for the market? Isn't that good no. for the keeper who wants to make that investment to say, hey, this animal needs to be clean. It needs to be healthy. It needs to be, you know, uh, worth me spending that money. So that what, what I'm getting for my investment is. So again, an ideal world, but but how, how many times do you have animal good for the keeper? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and listen, Justin, live animals are risk. I I mean, captive bred, captive born still a risk,
0: but, but there's, there's different levels of risk, you know, there's, there's different levels of risk, like a captive bred animal. Well, if you're paying 500 bucks, you can, if you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's my point. You're helping me. $500 risk if, if versus it's $500 five dollars risk. Yeah, exactly. So if it's a wild caught animal, you're saying, okay, I can, I can risk, you know, a couple thousand dollars. I'm not risking $20,000, you know, on a pair. If it's, if it's a captive bred and born bull and I, that's a different story. But to my knowledge, there aren't many of those being sold, right? There's not many of those around. And and I would say that we should move towards that where where captive bred animals are valued more highly. But we know that most keepers don't make that consideration, right? They're going to say, oh, I'm going to take this um, wild caught green tree python for $300 versus the captive bred green tree python for $1,000 every time. Right? But how? How's th- gonna think, oh, yeah, I'm going to beat the odds. No, no,
1: that's. The, but look, you, you can look to the captive bred chondro market and see those animals are fetching a premium. They're they're very very expensive, more more expensive than I think they should be. But guess what? People are paying that. People are buying them, and 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 the chondro market is doing awesome. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but, I but mean, how many so people there's, are so, having
0: good success and how many, you know, imports are, are kind of ruining that for the new keeper that says, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to spend what I can afford and buy a, you know, an, an import. Um, they still don't get that message of imports are a risky thing. And then they lose their import or they have to spend all this money on vet bills. And in the long run, yeah, they should have bought the
1: captive bread. You know, they should have spent right. they should have spent the extra money. Yeah, but but they're because not because why to. because they're getting because, a better animal because, because it's it's better yeah. for the animal. It's yeah, better for the keeper, that's not right? the
0: argument. That's not the argument. The argument is the captive bred versus the wild caught. I'm saying if you had a wild caught that's a thousand dollars, are you going to spend that? Are you going to make that risk? Probably not, because, you well, know, that the, the, it, the likelihood is that that animal is going to tank pretty high for, for you know, to to some extent.
1: And I think that and I think if you go into a pet shop and you see a green tree python for a thousand dollars, that is going to cause that maybe less skilled first time keeper pause and they'll balk at that animal. And it, you know what? I mean, is that a bad thing? Is that, is that, I mean, if, if Burmese pythons and retics were all a thousand dollars and, and a keeper had to, a a first time keeper had to walk into a pet shop and, and be like, dang, a thousand bucks, mommy, I want that. Would that, would that, would that stop that sale? So what I'm saying is that 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 dollar value is a check mechanism uh, for, for sales that maybe shouldn't happen. And, and so, you know, can everyone afford that? No. Should everybody be into that? No, but maybe it's, 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 it's a mechanism for a check on the market to mm-hmm. make sure that the, that the investor, the keeper is, is fully invested in the animal that the animal gets what it needs. And I think, you know, uh, it, 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 it prevents overproduction. Um, it can, it can cause, um, you know, a trickle down almost effect, um, in goods and services around those animals. If those animals are highly valued, then you can create highly specialized goods and services that cater to those animals. And because they have such a value around them, people will invest in those, those higher goods and services to support that animal. So it actually grows the market. Um, and, and, you know, I think, I think it, it can be a good thing for everybody
0: again. Yeah. I, I, I see that point and I agree with you there, but the, the, uh, to an extent, right. Again, if they reach that point where even the, the most dedicated keeper can't afford it or, or is not going to put up that kind of money for, for that risk, then you lose out that, Capable keeper, and you wind up with whoever has the money to afford it, and so that's where you're. That's where you, you there's there's kind of a, a threshold, right? Uh-huh, where you uh-huh. where you where you move past the okay. Here's the you know here's the disposable animal you know price, and and we want to avoid that you know. And, and I think everybody's in agreement that that's not a good thing. You know that import prices and imports in general. I, I like to see the slow of imports. I like to see that kind of going down and and maybe being replaced by captive bred animals. And, uh, you know, honestly, when when um, imports uh, stop, that's when you see the animals being valued for the animals and you see the price that the market can bear. Uh, the the oh, what prehensile tailed skinks are a great example, Right. Um, once the import stopped, they became not a $60 animal, but a thousand dollar animal. And only the people who really wanted to work with those were able to afford them. And it wasn't just like, well, I have 60 bucks in my wallet and that's an impressive lizard. So I'm going to buy it. You know, they don't do any research, that kind of thing. So you you get past that. But if, but if she, you know, prehensile tailed skinks were $20,000, you know, then, yeah, of course, nobody's going to work with them because they're mean and they're, you know, not, not that exciting. They're kind of boring or something. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody out there that would pay that, but very few people would. But if they're in the $1,000 range, those people, you know, that's not an insurmountable amount of money. And so then you weed out the people who are making the impulse buy and you're you're focusing on the good people. And and then once you reach that threshold of nobody's going to pay that, you know, it's a ridiculous amount. Then you then the project sof- suffers. That's
1: kind of my point with uh, well, you know, the threshold and, idea. and so and so, you know, in in free market economics, uh, if you're asking too much for an animal, that market will correct. Um, and mm-hmm. and do I think that bull and I are overpriced? Yes, for mm-hmm. for what is actually going on in the market right now, for what the consumer is getting, uh, is that too much to pay for an animal? Yeah, it is. It, yeah. it absolutely is for the yeah. risk that that the keeper is going to assume taking those animals in, all of that. Yes, I a hundred percent agree with you. That, but nonetheless that that higher price is a good thing for the animal it's a good thing for the keeper if it'll if if it pushes back onto high quality higher quality animals um and, and you know better care for the animal in the end mm-hmm. um which you know which i would i would say that you know doesn't necessarily happen it's
0: it's past that threshold and uh we're we're kind of in the 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 area where it's going to have to correct or, or there's uh, going to be serious consequences. So
1: absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know that <laughs> there'll be serious consequences. I think there'll just be what there'll be is just people selling animals for less and having an advertised price and, yeah. and the animals move yeah. for less. I mean,
0: always under know, the table. Deal, yeah, of whatever. course. Yeah, we, not, I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah.
1: No, not that it happens all the time. Yeah. yeah. We, we wouldn't want to <laughs> imply that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Um, we can't out the the real dealings in the reptile world. right? Or, Or if you have other valuable animals, you know, a lot of times these higher end projects actually, you know, result in more trades than actual cash. You know, if you have a high priced project or a rare project. A lot of times you get people come to you and say, Hey, I have this other high-priced rare animal and I just produced some babies, you know, you want to swap babies and it gives you an opportunity to, to get into other other projects. But um, you know, if somebody's saying, Oh, I, I just want cash only, they're going to have a, a hard time or they're going to sit on that animal for a long time. You know, it'd be interesting to see, um, you know, how, how long these things stay on the market. And you know, maybe they take them down and, and then everybody seems, Oh, it's sold. Well, maybe not. You you know, it's it's really there's there's a lot of things that right. go into this, and it's hard to know exactly what's happening. So,
1: yeah, sure, sure. So, just to move on, I, I think um, you know the another potential avenue where higher priced animals um, can can be of benefit is is you really see um, you know, especially I think big scrubs are are uh, an example of this, where you know if the the price is higher um, you're, you're likely to get a more competent, uh, level of keeper, uh, which reduces the, the, uh, potential for kind of negative, uh, press associated with the reckless handling of that animal, um, which could potentially lead to, you know, less, uh, eyes on us, eyes on the hobby, um, and potential less legislation. So I think that's another avenue where, you know, kind of that higher priced animal, which isn't able to be in every single person's hands, um, has a, a secondary benefit uh, towards, you know, creating a, a little bit more of a potential for a positive image uh, rather than a, a clickbait sensationalistic uh, news story around, you know, giant scrub bites man and and ends up in hospital or something along those lines.
0: Yeah. And, and granted, I mean, there's... And of course, you know, Americans are not going to want to hear this, but you know, there's some, some species that just the average keeper should not keep, right? Because a a lot of that, regardless of the price, you know, I don't care if it's $10,000, some, some species should just not be kept by the average person and they should not be bred in the numbers that they're being bred. And, you know, that's a tricky thing because some of these things do very well in the wild and retics are the great example, you know, and, and. But, but their, you know, their importation has stopped and, Mm um, you know, the high price is generally these days associated with morphs. And that has definitely destroyed the retic market in, in terms of being able to find a locality specific retic for those that are, you know, more, more conservation or, or, you know, kind of that mindset of, I want to preserve the species for the species you know, you can't find localities hardly anywhere, right? There's maybe one or two people that work with a couple, uh, but show me, you know, a bunch of different mainland localities, you're not going to find them. And so that, right. you know, kind of destroyed, uh, because of the high price of morphs that pushed everybody into, into working with morphs at the, you know, the, the, the downfall of, you know, locality specific retics and, you know, almost to, to this day, they, they probably would probably fetch a better price. You know, if you can get a locality, you look at the locality, uh, dwarf uh, stuff that uh, uh, Garrett, is working with and, and, you know, they're, they're commanding fairly nice prices, um, are locality specific and, and, you know, may not have any weird genes going on with them and, and preferably not because, you know, that means they were crossed with some other locality. So, you know, those, those kind of, uh, morph driven pricing, I think is, is very detrimental to, um, you know, maintaining, uh, locality specific or or pure lines and it drives people to make poor decisions such as uh, hybridization and or uh,
1: or or buying a retick when they shouldn't
0: yeah exactly yeah. Because they see it as an investment rather than a serious you know
1: uh, potentially dangerous animal um, that so, should so be we might be never- able to agree so we might be able to agree that morphs at least being more expensive might keep people from making bad decisions. Well, I mean, to, to use your, your logic, it's
0: going to make them more valuable. They're going to be more excited about them. And so they're going to try to, you know, try their hardest to get those. And then once they get them, they're going to breed them to everything with the cloaca. So it's going to, you know, have right. a, have a double edged uh, effect of them trying to make money off an animal followed by, you know, breeding it to whatever they feel like they need to breed it to. So, well, yeah. but
1: I mean, I, to the I detriment
0: think... of the hobby, my, in my, my opinion.
1: Well, uh, I mean, uh, you know, uh, them being cheaply priced and readily available is to the detriment of the hobby, is it not? Well, so yeah, them being cool. more so them being more expensive and harder for for the average person to acquire means that less of them will be produced. I mean, you could initially, make the- but
0: but you know what happens with the morph projects, right? <laughs> they drop like a rock. I mean, you might pay five grand for some new shiny retic morph but then in in a year or two it's going to be down to 500 dollars and then down to fifty dollars because nobody cares about that morph anymore and you've got a bunch of giant snakes you got to get off your hands so yeah you but if, if you can't move them quick you know so but,
1: but if you can't get a bunch of you know giant snakes then those projects start to hold their value more because they, they, they're not that they, you know that's that that's how that's how morphs have, worked because people jump into them, they overproduce them, and then then the prices fall. But again, if they have a higher, if they command a higher cost, and we're kind of talking about something that has a lot of stock in the US. If we're talking about yeah. something that doesn't have a lot of stock and it's a higher price, then there's fewer animals produced and those animals retain their value longer uh, be, because it's a it's a supply and demand numbers thing.
0: Well, that's what you tell the, you know, the People blow you in the pyramid scheme, but <laughs> no, I'm just well. Kidding. I mean,
1: do you not think that's that's a do you no? Do I not mean, think that's true. If, I if mean, if there is
0: a if there is a species that's rare, yeah, they usually and and they're not imported, then they're they usually maintain reasonable pricing, and that's evident in you know anything from Australia. That's you know we only have captive bred animals to feed the market, and and it's a it's a great model, right? Because there is kind of that that point where it can't reach lower than a certain threshold and it can't reach higher than a certain threshold. You know, you have that kind of sweet spot in the middle where, you know, the animals mostly, uh, uh, and you see this going cyclical cycles too, you know, sometimes the animals are worth, you know, a thousand dollars and other times they're worth $150, you know, it kind of fluctuates based on, um, supply and demand, but,
1: well, but, but, but like, uh, you, I, I, I mean, going back to um, your, going back to your argument, uh, about, you know, um, uh, what was his name? He did the, Um, yeah, Bert. And, and, and so he produced a lot of those animals, right. And they weren't worth anything, but when he passed away and there were a few of them, now they're worth a lot of money. Why? Mm -hmm. Because there are not a lot of them around. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, Again, because there's not a lot of them around and they're valued at what they are, people recognize them for the rarity that they are. People who who see reptiles, you know, cheap and commonly, they don't recognize them for the rarity that they are. And we work with a lot of things that are extremely rare, but they're not to us because they're fairly common, right? Mm-hmm. I mean yeah. – the th- th- They potentially are rare in the hobby, right? Like
0: like rough scale pythons in Australia. Yeah. Once they fell, you know, were commonly bred, they fell to, you know, fairly low prices and people had a hard time giving away. But that that's rebounded now, and there's more keepers coming in and realizing, hey, these are cool. And then they're like, who's breeding them? Nobody, because they weren't worth money. And that's that's my that's another, you know, kind of point I want to make is is when we when we have this free market surrounding animals it's it's detrimental to to our hobby in the long run because then we say oh if it's a low price it's not worth anything but if it's a high price then it's important and it's worth something and we should pay attention to it but all these animals we're working with should have you know should be valued regardless of their price and so that's that's the other aspect of this is when we when we value money based on their rarity or their price that's when we get into trouble and that's the problem i have with with these expensive you know rare animals or or these expensive or or these cheap common animals when we value animals and put a price tag on them that's when we're saying i mean if it was me if i could kind of control everything i would say okay You know, pretty much every reptile, you know, let's, let's set a, set a price where people are not just going to buy it willy nilly, but they're also going to think about it and plan for it and stuff. And that, you know, of course that's impossible to do, but I, I would like to see people care more about the animal and less about the money, you know, especially hobbyist breeders. Yeah. People have to make money and there's professional breeders that need to feed their families. But for the most of us the you know, the 90% of keepers. They don't have to do that. They can pick, pick projects based on whether they like the animals or not, you know, whether regardless of their price. And, you know, sometimes we get unlucky and we like an animal like a bull and I, that, that swings up to 10 grand a piece, or we like shingleback skinks and they're, you know, uh, very difficult to find and they're very expensive when you can find them or maybe you're really lucky and, and you really get off on you know leopard geckos wild type leopard geckos or wild type bearded dragons and you can get them all day for basically free and you have this army of them now you know when we when we uh when imports stop some of these things you know, and then people get really excited about them because they can't get them anymore you know like the the uh, basilisk is a prime example. So Bert bred a lot of basilisks, uh, green basilisks, and and they weren't imported. And he was doing very well. People were buying them, and then they started importing them, and his sales went, you know, down by a lot. And where he was a professional breeder, he had to make the decision: I have to move on to other other species because these these aren't paying the bills anymore. And so, unfortunately, kind of that that import trashes some of these projects and it's it's very difficult to to have a project as a professional breeder now a hobbyist we can get these so-called trash species and we can produce them captively and produce you know very healthy and long-lived examples i think uh you know even if there's no morphs available it's, it's a revolutionary concept i know but i think there was was it uh Yasser or somebody on the Mer- old Morelia pythons forums that said, you know, that made that suggestion that everybody should have a project that's worth nothing. You know, they work with it just because they love the species, not because it has any kind of monetary value. And that to me is kind of what what brings joy to me in keeping reptiles. You know, I, I think sure. if, when, when you think about selling stuff and having to, you know support you know or, or pay for stuff or whatever using reptile money you know you, you have some stuff that you do that with but he- hopefully everybody has a species that brings them no monetary benefit but that they really enjoy keeping just for the fact of keeping it
1: well uh, so you know i mean uh, <laughs> I, I i think you know we we have we have importation uh importation still happens yeah. and Higher priced animals, rarer animals, create higher import prices, uh, which you know is better. It takes you know it it, it it it's good for the imports that they're that they're valued greater, um, and and I think it probably leads to less throwaway imports,
2: yeah. um,
1: and which you know is a good thing. So you know, uh, unfortunately, what we're talking about is a market coupled kind of thing with live animals and that's not cool yeah you know what i mean it's not cool but but it is the it is the world that we live in um and 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 you know we man we monetize human beings in this in in my in modern day society Mm -hmm. so you know i mean it it sucks but Mm -hmm. if i had to choose you know uh, uh you know A reptile that's valued higher, or a reptile that's valued lower, I know what the outcome is on that reptile that's valued lower.
0: Well, wouldn't that be cool if you could destroy that? You know, you could destroy the import market where you could breed a commonly available species. But but that wouldn't.
1: But that wouldn't be good. Sure wouldn't. No, it
0: wouldn't. Because you could, you could get that that importation to stop. You could have captive bred, clean, healthy animals that are going to survive longer and you could, you know, still, still make some money off the project if you needed to. And, you know, they, they, you might still have people that are, that are, you know, impulse buying, but if you're, if you're the one that's ruining that import market, you know, you can have, uh, Uh, have those animals and they're going to do a lot better in the long run. So it's going to be better for the animals.
1: Well, let's, but, but let's parse that out, right? Because why do you not like that idea? Well, Why do you want
0: these poor imports to suffer? <laughs>
1: let's 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 speak on it a little bit because it depends on what you're talking about. If you're talking about green tree pythons, yeah, importation, shutting down importation right now, right here, right now, is not going to cause them to skip a lick, and it's probably just going to drive those already expensive animals even further through the roof. But if you're talking about Boland's pythons or scrub pythons, then that will absolutely devastate the genetic diversity within the United States for those animals because people are not producing them on a level to create enough genetic diversity and enough animals to maintain that genetic diversity. So those animals have to be slowly imported in order to create um uh you know a sustainable genetic diversity within u.s captive uh you know collections and, well, and so I-, I think if you completely shut that off um you 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 choke you, it, it's kind of the white rhino you you know you bottleneck those those species and they become so inbred at some point that they they're non-viable so I, I, I hear you, I just think that valuing captive animals and allowing them to um, dry, you know drive up the price of imports where imports can still come in. they can come in in fewer numbers and they're valued higher so that that people have to make a good value judgment about the, the worth uh, of that genetic diversity rather than uh, look at that animal as a, an easy throwaway.
0: Yeah but if you're if you're pumping out bull and eye from a single pair and they're going to people that you know might breed them you you're you're going to have be able to acquire more diverse stock in 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 some you'll have the power to do that in some From way. where? Well from other stuff in the US do you think everything in the US is related to each other it's all um, imported well, all it's all wild yeah, animals, and it's, animals. I mean ex, 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 animals. So, so, so what there you're is saying is genetic diversity here, right? So if you were able to get other animals, it's gonna I- increase the genetic diversity of your projects if you're successful with those. That's what I'm saying.
1: So I didn't hear any of that because you skipped out, but here's what I'm gonna say oh. if they <laughs> shut down importation yeah. and nobody's producing in the United States, it's a bottleneck. And it's going to lead to a dead end genetic, you know, road.
0: Well, depending, I mean, there's plenty of animals in the U S they're just spread out across the U S right. If we had a stud book, if we, if we, you know, as a society or as a, as a group, as reptile keepers kept stud books like zoos and, and adopted some of those, uh, practices, we Could keep that genetic diversity and document that genetic diversity, and then that wouldn't be a problem, you know. That's so, a good topic for
1: discussion, yeah. I, but, I think we had to cover that topic at another time, yeah. But, <laughs> but, but, but we're not, doing, my point. but we're not doing right. that, and and right. and we're too, you know, as an American society, it's just speaking for us Americans, uh, we're too much of an individualistic society yeah. to do something like that, so you know. I, I hear what you're saying, but if we shut down importation of something like Boland's pythons, it's a fucking wrap. It's over. All right.
0: Well, I think we've covered our hour here. I think we've made some good points on, on both sides. Let's, uh, maybe have a, have a wrap up argument or wrap up statement, and then, uh, we'll call it a, another, uh, good topic there. I, sure. I enjoyed, uh, talking about this with you, Chuck.
1: Yeah. No, it was good, man. Yeah. I appreciate this. I, 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 I think that, uh,
0: you know kind of in summary there there's a threshold of of how much you know you how much value you can put on an animal especially a high risk project like a bull and eye or you know even like a shingleback i think it it works to the detriment of the project when when that threshold is surpassed um you know, not to say that, that uh, a high price on an animal is a bad thing, but a threshold uh, exists where it becomes something that's negative for the project. So that's kind of my, my main point with that. And it, and it mm-hmm. puts, puts the animals in hands where, where, you know, they, they're going to have a lower amount of success than a higher amount. So.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think that, you know, just to rehit my points that, you know, higher priced animals uh, lead to better care um because you're getting better care and you have fewer animals you get less overproduction um it leads to more focus keeping um you know better care more focus keeping leads to uh better you know uh um edu- not education but um you know note taking and and uh kind of the captive um you know keeping of these animals uh and and then I, you know i said that that the higher price for these animals in the keeping leads to better goods and services around those animals. So it allows some of these companies that support our hobby to specialize a little bit more, come out with some things that may be a little more higher priced, a little more, you know, fancy for, for those keepers who are really looking to, to create that next level of care for their animals. Um, And then, you know, I think with, with higher priced animals, you have lesser of them. They're in better hands, so it it leads to less of a chance of you know bad press, um, and, and and hopefully uh, better outcomes for the animals. Um, and you know, I think that will lead to better investing in the hobby. Um, because people are so invested in these higher-priced animals, they 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 have to protect that, and so they're willing. If they're willing to spend big money on their animals, they need to be willing to spend more money on protecting their right to own those animals. Um, and at least we not forget that it is extremely important that you know a higher-priced captive animal um, is going to lead to less pressure on uh, imports and and greater. Um, costs of imports, which not only benefit, you know, the higher prices not only benefit uh, captive animals, but they also benefit import animals. Uh, So that's kind of sums up where how I kind of, you know, see it and and feel about it. I I think, uh, you know, it's it's a complex nuanced argument, like most everything we do. But um, I certainly think, you know, if you're going to advocate for animals like we do, Um, certainly paying more for that animal is, is only going to benefit the animal.
0: All right. Well, that was a very thorough response. Thank you. (laughs) You're, you're a worthy adversary, Chuck. This is, I'm,
1: I'm, I feel, I feel, I, I feel like I'm getting better at this. I feel like, you know, (laughs) you, uh, you, you, you have beaten me enough, uh, that, that I, I can, I cannot take no more shellackins. So hopefully, (laughs) well, hopefully we, we continue to get better and, and, you know, we can keep back and forth and I I think, uh, you know, um, these are good, these are good topics. They're worthy topics and they need to be flushed out. And, and, uh, you know, I, I don't care what side you're on and you don't have to agree with me or, or you or, or whatever, but, but the, the discussion is the important part. And, and we, as, as. You know reptile keepers and hobbyists and and people who are passionate need to need to start having these discussions uh and 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 you know kind of thinking about where we're going
0: yeah yeah hopefully if you're entrenched in one side or another you heard uh you know the the other side and maybe there were some points that uh convinced you that it's not as simple as it as may, may seem so um you know I'm, I'm curious to see where bull and i go and you know other other high-priced uh, projects um But uh, that's, you know, it's a tricky thing when when you stop those imports and animals become less easy to acquire. um, It really requires some, you know, some thought and some planning and some uh, care for the animals versus uh, care to make a buck. But, you know,
1: and 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 I feel like we're kind of in uncharted territory. I mean, this is, you know, if if 10 years ago you would have said, oh, man, importation is going away. I'm like, yeah, right. Sure. OK. Yeah. yeah. Well, but but it'll, it'll, I don't I don't I, I'm I not, think it
0: will ebb and flow. I mean, we, you know, how many times has Madagascar closed down only to reopen, you know, and import a bunch sure, of stuff again? So, sure. you know, it's possible that, you know, and, and maybe uh, the regime changes or, you know, the, the government of the country swatch switches over and, and you get new government that doesn't care. And they say, yeah, go for it. Why do we stop that? That was a nice source of revenue for our people. And they, they open it up again. And and then all of a sudden you've got all these, you know, this flood of imports and, and everybody's like, Oh, I want bull and I, I want bull and I, but then, you know, then, then the price has to drop to some extent, if you've got an influx of animals. Um, mm-hmm. I was, you know, there was a, what was it? Some morph project. And, and like all of a sudden they realized that the, the super form was, was cooler than they, they thought, or they didn't know there was a super form. And all of a sudden they, pre- and then they tried to increase the price and it's like, yeah, nobody's doing that. <laughs> they're, they're already yeah. gone out at this other price. So, you know, you never know what the pricing's going to do once something like that happens, maybe they stay high maybe bull and I are always $10,000 animals from here on out. So, and,
1: and that's a you know. fair, but that's a fair yeah. point. You're right. I mean, uh, we, and I guess, I guess that kind of is a little bit what I'm saying is we live mm-hmm. in a dynamic time right now. Yeah. And there's, yep. a, you know, as we move forward, there's more and more going on and, and, yeah, yeah. and it seems to be crazier and crazier. Are, um, are, so
0: are Mexican black king snakes going to keep selling for $800. No, <laughs> they're going to be down back down to, you know, $50, $100, I would say before too long is it's a roller coaster. And we see this so many times. That, that's why I would just advocate work with what you like, work with what, you, what you're passionate about. Don't work with what's worth money, you know, at this moment, because that's going to change, you know, and, and if you work with something because you like it chances are you're gonna hit the high points of the roller coaster here and there and you're gonna you know make some money sure, off your project sure. and it's but, be but but
1: scrubs scrubs have never yeah. been common you no, know what I mean no. there are certain animals that never have been, never I been mean, common. Yeah, and and, and probably and,
0: rightly so. They're angry. They're you know, to to some extent. You know, some. Uh, they're angry with you, man. And, they yeah. like me. I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a problem. I just remember. I just don't try to.
1: I just don't try to reach into their cage and grab yeah. them right out. That's yeah. that's where no, you I've, get. I've teeth. never
0: kept scrubs, and I know that Ben Ben Moral kept some, and he said he got tagged by a juvenile, and it left a huge bruise on his chest. You know, and this was a little one. And he's like, "What happens when this thing's 15 feet long? You know, you, you should that.
1: see." You should see the yeah. size of my Tracy eyes teeth. Oh yeah. They're yeah. huge. It's crazy. They're huge. Right? Yeah. So yeah, not, and not, they a, hit, not necessarily they hit,
0: a project for everybody, but <laughs> they hit
1: really hard. Yeah. Really hard.
0: Well my friend it's uh it's been a good one again and and uh thanks for for uh engaging and I'm glad you won the coin toss this time I think you I know you dude right I, you I had it it some might, good might have been yeah. it might
1: have been it might have been my saving grace <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um yeah man thank you again yeah. and uh another good topic uh and, uh, you know, just uh, a yeah. shout out to the Morelia Python Radio Network and those guys, the Podfather and, yeah. um, you know. <laughs> Check we'll, out all the
0: shows. We got Morelia, Morelia Python's radio, if I could say that right. Uh, Herp History, they had a great episode with Ron St. Pierre the other night. It was fantastic. Ron's a great guy. He's he's done yeah, so many cool things. Yeah, and just, some fun stories. Check that, check that out. Uh, Herp history with uh, Ron St. Pierre, the other, and, and all the guests they've had on there have been fantastic. I mean, it's, it, you don't get much better than Keith McPeak. I was, I was so geeked out being able to hang out with him and, and, you know, get to know him a little better. And I feel like I didn't, didn't even scratch the surface. You know, I could have used another week or two with him to, uh, hanging out as along along with some of the other guys there. I, I just really didn't feel like I, uh was able to talk to him as much as I wanted to, but, you know, some, some great people in this hobby. Uh, carpet yeah. Clip Notes, if you're getting into Morelia, you're looking into different carpet pythons, check out that. It gives you some good ideas. Um, the the Colubrid Corner, um, we got uh, Owen uh, talk, you know, Owen and Riley talking about colubrids, if you're into those. Um, student the Serpent, that's a really kind of a deep dive on different species. Carpets and Coffee, every Monday they talk about uh, lunchtime, talk about carpets and and uh different things that are going on in the reptile world filled herping podcast i'm excited for more uh, episodes of that one that's that's a lot of fun to hear about field herping monitor keeping podcast uh humans of herpeticulture, um and the australian herpeticulture podcast uh end up the list here and from our uh, reptile fight club we're we're happy to be added to that list as well and we thank you for listening and uh, we'll look forward to doing another fight next week. So stay tuned.
1: Thanks, we'll everybody.
2: See you. See ya. Fight